Unlike most of us, Jesus was never caught off guard. You ever been caught off guard? Jesus was never caught off guard. And that's not because attempts weren't made to catch him off guard. Look in your Bibles with me at Matthew 22. In Matthew chapter 22, you really have a question and answer chapter. In Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, some Sadducees had just failed in trying to catch Jesus off guard. What happens next is some Pharisees try to catch Jesus off guard. And not just any Pharisee, but a lawyer, an expert in the law. And his question is a theological question. What is the great commandment of the law? This was just the kind of subject that people like to talk about and debate and really filibuster about. Just talk it to death. However, when Jesus responds, he responds simply and well. After all, God himself ought to know the answer to the question that he's being asked. He answers by saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. God's to be loved with an all-encompassing type of love. And when Jesus says this, he's basically quoting Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 from the Old Testament. But he's not finished. He says this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. The second is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of truth that can be harvested from this one section. But Jesus would go on to say, on these two commandments hang the whole law and prophets. All the rest of God's will are like pegs that are related to those two great truths. It's always about relationships. That's what I want you to think about. It's always about our relationship with God, and it's always about our relationship with others who have been made by God and made by God in His image. When we have difficulties in life, it's always about relationships. As someone that's preached for a mighty long time now, anytime somebody comes to me with a problem, it's about a relationship with God and it's about a relationship with others every single time. It's always about relationships. Transport yourself to the early years of your life and what your family was like. Transport yourself to the early years of your life and what your family was like. Some of you are already smiling. One or two are kind of looking uncomfortable and cringing. Some, uh, some of us have a lot more time to go back to that time than maybe others. But families can be great 
and families can be weird. <laughs> Is that fair enough? Families can be great. They can be awesome, and they can be weird. When you think about your family growing up, how were problems dealt with and solved? How were problems dealt with and solved? Was your home a home of faith and trust in God? Was your home a home where biblical solutions were sought and pursued? These are kind of good questions to ask and to think about. Because this was a time in our lives when relationships were initially being formed. Relationships with our family and with others. How was anger dealt with in your home? Did some people just kind of hold it in until finally they exploded? Maybe sometimes someone in your home was angry and it was just like a bolt of lightning out of nowhere. How was anger dealt with? Be angry and sin not. Ephesians 4.26 How about communication? How about communication? When you were growing up, did your home communicate? Did the family really communicate well with each other? Maybe your family's very extroverted and you talked about everything. Were there any taboo subjects in your family growing up? Things you just didn't talk about? Just not going to talk about that kind of thing. And with communication, was your family kind of introverted and kind of kept things within? Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but such as is good to edification, to building up, that it might minister grace to the hearers. Don't want to stay here too long. It can be a pleasant experience to visit our own upbringing, but it probably also has a few things that we think about. You know, and when those of us who grew up in a family situation where the environment wasn't maybe all that we thought it would be, every one of us resolved that it's not going to be that way in our family. Isn't that true? But sometimes it still is. Now, if that's true of families, that's going to be true of congregations that consist of families. It's always about relationships. It's about loving one another as we love ourselves. It's about loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind. Horizontal relationships with one another tend to be much better when our vertical relationship with God is stressed. That's so important, I want to say it again. Relationships horizontally with others tend to be much, much better when we give appropriate emphasis to our relationship with God. 
Brief lesson tonight. Five truths about human relationships. Five truths about relationships. Truth number one. There is only one relationship that is problem free. There's only one relationship that is problem free. And it is the relationship that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's one of the most mind-blowing things to think about. Throughout all eternity, Jesus never said to the Father and the Spirit, I just don't know if I can do this. The Holy Spirit never said to Jesus and the Father, well, think about this, we might need to rethink this. They are always completely on the same page. There is perfect harmony, there is perfect unity, there is perfect communication. No one is sinfully angry with one another there. There is only one perfect relationship and it's within the Godhead. And John 17, 20 through 26 wants us to reflect the same love that the Father and Son have for one another. And wants us as the people of God to reflect the unity and oneness that comes by being the people of God. It is an astounding section of Scripture, John 17, 20 through 26. Because Jesus is praying for us in our relationships with God and with one another. On the night he would be taken to be tried and eventually crucified, he was praying for us. Truth number two. We were made to crave relationships. Now, I know some people try to isolate themselves, and I know some people just try to immerse themselves in relationships with people. But regardless of the extremes to which people might go, we were made to crave relationships. It is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26-28. There is a relationship that is perfect and beautiful and precious concerning the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we were made to crave relationships with others. It's in our spiritual DNA because of how God made us. We crave relationships. Remember what Adam figured out before Eve was made for him? God already knew this. It is not good for man to be alone. Remember that? We were made to crave relationships. And people are put into our lives to help complement us and to help us relate more to God and relate better to others. To fulfill the great commandment. Remember Deuteronomy 6, 5 was quoted, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. And then Leviticus 19, 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Two down. 
here is a third truth to consider. No human relationship will be all that we thought it might be. No human relationship will be all we thought it might be. After doing a number of weddings, I smile when I see the bride coming down the aisle with her dad, see the groom over there smiling, and it's such an exciting moment. And part of me smiles for the joy of the moment, and part of me smiles for the fact that they have no idea what they're getting into. The joy. And yet, no human relationship turns out to be all we thought it could be. Sometimes the relationship turns out to be more than we thought it could be in some ways. But every human relationship consists of two humans, two flawed people that have their family backgrounds and cultures and the way they thought that things should be done, and they come together like two streams and form a river. And sometimes there's going to be some move, moving of earth when that occurs. And what happens is this, and it tells me something about God's purposes in relationships. The fact that no human relationship will be all that we thought it could be ought to make us seek for the only relationship in all the world that can be everything that it ought to be. A relationship with God. Number four. Truth number four. Sometimes you will wonder if the relationship is worth it. Sometimes you will wonder if the relationship is worth it. And you might be tempted to say it's just too much trouble. That happens with human relationships. Sometimes we will wonder if the relationship is worth it. If it's not too much trouble. In Matthew 26, when Jesus is in the garden, surely this seems to be crossing his mind. And if you say it never crosses yours, I question your honesty. Sometimes the most holy and noble of intentions may cause us to question the relationship and what it cost. It's nothing but trouble. Maybe we say things like that. I refer you back to Jesus' response. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I believe that that will help us greatly when we are tempted 
to just not try to relate to people because it's too much trouble and it hurts too much. We can't avoid the pain of interaction with others. Number five, God can help us greatly improve relationships. God can help us greatly improve our relationships. This should be a matter of prayer, constant prayer. This should be a matter of getting into the Word and thinking about God's will for relationships. Loving wife as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.25 Seeking to work with your husband and having a sense of sweet reasonableness and yieldedness, ladies. Submitting to your husbands as to the Lord. Ephesians 5.22 Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. You think about how the Bible deals with relationships, and here's the focus. Every relationship is to be looked at in life as it concerns Jesus. I got a sneaky feeling in my own life if I'd have looked at more relationships through the eyes of Jesus and the cross, I might have thought a little bit differently. Maybe you will too. It is always about relationships. And problems are what they are with people in relationships because ultimately the problem is with one's relationship with God our relationships with God. What God puts together, we cannot separate. How we relate to God and how we seek to relate to each other. Thank you for listening. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. Maybe someone this very evening needs to make their life right with God, their relationship with God right because of Jesus. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and be added to His church. I don't know that all of your relationships will be everything that you'd like for them to be, but all of your relationships can be much better when you look at them through the lens of Jesus and the cross. If we can help you in any way, won't you come while we stand and